0: Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive life. I'm your host, Ryan Stacy, and this time we're going back to play a game with some Saw 2. which I'm very excited about. It's my favorite Saw movie. So I'm very pumped to talk about this one. And I'm joined by our official Saw correspondent all the way from across the country, Jake Johnson. Jake, how you doing? Hey, dude. How you?
1: I'm doing great. Really pumped to be on this podcast once again. Thank you again for having me back.
0: Absolutely. I feel I, like it's an honor. I, I really wish we'd had you on sooner because you were really good the first time. So I'm pumped to have you back. Well, um, hopefully, I can, uh, hopefully I can stir the...
1: Mental juices again. Yes.
0: Yeah, you should have moved up to Fargo, and then we could do this all the time.
1: I know, I know, you know, but you know, that uh, hundred degree weather that
0: I'm dealing with all the time is uh, pretty.
1: It's pretty spicy. <laughs> uh,
0: so, Jake, you'd seen Saw Two before, correct? Correct. Yes, I saw Saw
1: Two. Well, that sounds redundant. I think like right when it came out originally. Uh, but my most vivid memory of watching Saw Two was eighth grade on Halloween night. I had, yeah, I was over at a buddy's house and we stayed up all night and, you know, drank the parents Kool-Aid and had a good old fashioned time. It was fun. Yeah. So that was a, yeah, one of my favorite Saw's. By-
0: yeah, I was going to say, so you like the movie?
1: Yes, I do. I think I think structurally and design wise, it's I would say it's one of the best Saw movies. The traps are very ingenious. There's a lot of plot twists that if you're just seeing it for the first time, you really wouldn't see coming and... I like that. I like that a
0: lot. I'm 100% on the same page as you. It's my favorite Saw movie, so glad to hear you like this one too. But this is not a review podcast. Oh no, this is a survival podcast. And what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be going through the plot of this movie beat by beat, going through character decision by character decision to see if we need to add any rules to our master list of rules on how to survive horror movies. And you can see the current list on our Twitter account at HowToHorror. That's How the number two, horror. Go ahead and check that out. So we'll be going through this movie throughout the whole thing and trying to see if we need to add any new rules. And then we'll be giving some awards out at the end for who did the best job at following the rules and who did the worst job. Spoiler alert. Drop what you're doing and go watch Saw 2 because you will not want to be spoiled on this one. Amen. This is a great story. There's a lot of fun twists and turns. So This is definitely one to check out beforehand. You need to see the first Saw, uh, obviously. But then go watch Saw 2 and then come back and listen to this podcast. Right, Jake?
1: Yes, correct. And also, um, should we should we uh, make the disclaimer that Um, Our discussion on this podcast will be only on knowledge of Saw 1 and 2. Yes. We won't know any other future Saws that we can later add for, uh,
0: you know. Yeah, the Saw movies are kind of notorious for not giving us all the information right away and like filling in the gaps later. So we're just going to be working with what we know from the first two movies. And that's it. Since Jake, you'll be doing all of these with me, hopefully, as long as I don't scare you away with this one. (laughs) Uh, we'll we'll be able to go back and, uh, once we get to like the later saws and we learn a little bit more, we'll be able to go in and fill in the blanks a little bit, but with just what we're given from this movie and what we know from the previous one, that's what we're working with here today. Alrighty. Well, without further ado, let's get into Saw 2. So Saw 2 opens with a guy named Michael, who we don't know a ton about, but we, we quickly learn that he's a snitch or an informant for the police. And that's all we get about Michael, but he awakens in kind of a Venus flytrap looking device the first thing we should say is the first rule surviving any horror movie is know that you're in one. Michael, you're in a horror movie.
1: Yeah. Seriously. You wake up, you know, this isn't a uh, gym class, you know, you wake up and it's pitch dark. You're in a room and a TV bursts on screen. Yeah. You, you, there's no reason to suspect that you're not in a horror movie at this point.
0: Yeah. And so there's a TV and it burst on and we get the classic jigsaw puppet basically telling Michael there is a key surgically placed behind your eyeball. We did an operation on you. The key to to get this thing off you is is behind your eye. You have one minute to get it out. Here's a scalpel. Uh, Otherwise, this is going to close and kill you. And welcome to my worst nightmare. I have a a phobia of eyeballs, and this this is just the absolute worst. So if you ever want to kill me in a horror movie, this is the number one way to do it because I I would not be able to do this test. I'm dead. I'm done.
1: Well, I mean... In all fairness, I'm pretty sure 90% of mankind would agree with you on that statement. I feel like there's very rare and few people that would actually use the scalpel to dig beneath their eye to grab a key.
0: Yep. Michael ultimately doesn't end up attempting it. He freaks out. He can't do it. Uh, he panics a little bit. Rule number 10, don't panic. But this is if there's a the time to panic, this is it. And then rule number 17 is never give up. The next thing you try might work. And he he does kind of give up here and just lets it happen, which, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a rule violation, but I can throw no shade at him because I would be like, well, I guess I'm dead and I would just sit down and wait. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing that bothered me about it is
1: it didn't seem like the timer started until he moved and jerked uh, jerked the device around his neck. Yeah. And to me, it seemed like he could have had ample time to just sit there and take his time, so to speak with removing his eye um, had he just sat back down in the chair
0: well I think what it was is the scalpel was across the room so to get the scalpel he would have had to cross the room but that is a good point he could have just sat there and and waited for help and maybe he would have gotten lucky and and you know, within three days before he dies of dehydration, maybe somebody finds him. That might have been his better option. So we can blame panicking on that a little bit. He panics and, and pulls the cord loose. But yeah, there's a 0% chance I could have done this. I, I can't even pretend to say I would have tried it. I, I straight up would not have. This is a nightmare. Michael
1: was screwed from, like, basically he was screwed from the get-go.
0: Yep. So no thank you. Strong pass on all of this. So we get the main titles, and next we meet our main protagonist, Detective Eric Matthews, who's played by Donnie Wahlberg of Blue Bloods, the brother of Mark Wahlberg. What a performance by Donnie in this one!
1: He's good. He's really good. He's. It's very reminiscent of when he uh, starred in uh, Dead Silence. Another. Yep. Very fantastic. I would say B plus A minus horror movie. It's not quite top tier, but it's a it's
0: it's a it's a good watch. Yeah, I think he does an outstanding job this entire movie. Uh, The guys who did Dead Silence are the same guys who did the first Saw. Oh, well, that would make sense. Yep. Love Donnie Wahlberg in this. He's great. Um, And so he's a detective. And uh, we're going to find out a little bit of a a corrupt detective, a little violent. But he picks up his son, Daniel, who's a teenager, a little bit of a punk. He was caught shoplifting at an electronics store. And Eric's got to pick up his son for shoplifting. They end up getting into an argument. Daniel decides he wants to go back to his mom's early and Eric just yells at him to go. It's it's sad, and you could tell Eric feels really bad about it later. He's calling Daniel up. He's like, "Hey, I'm sorry. Please call me back. I'm, I'm really sorry about that." Things were said that shouldn't have been said, but you could tell Eric does care about his son.
1: Yeah, it's more of a yeah, like a stern father figure trying to make sure his son doesn't, you know, go down a bad path.
0: Yeah. Eric ends up getting called into work to a crime scene where he meets Detective Allison Carey. And we find out later that the two of them had an affair, which is what ended Eric's marriage. But uh, Detective Carrie, we saw her in the last movie for a couple of scenes. Uh, she was the one who was showing the main detectives in that movie around the crime scenes, introducing us to Jigsaw. So we have her back in a much bigger role this time. We're at Michael's crime scene, and he it turns out he was Eric's informant. And, you know, it's all the classic Jigsaw stuff. We have a Jigsaw piece missing. But the words look closer, Detective Matthews, are at the scene. So it's clearly Jigsaw is calling Eric out for some reason. Rule number one, Detective Matthews, you're in a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, at this point, yeah. If you have a psycho killer calling you out as a cop, uh, (laughs) that sounds like a good time to retire. By the way, though, like how cliche that is. I know that's
1: been done over in so many different movies. I I still love that aspect of, like, someone is so, I don't know, good or bad in Jigsaw's eyes that, like, he wants to call him out personally. I don't know. I would feel, I don't know. I, like, he seems irritated in the movie. I would feel almost honored. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, he wants to go against me? Okay. You know, I'd be kind of, you know, puffing my chest a little bit, even if I had no reason
0: to. I'd be terrified. I'd be like, what did I do? Oh, God. And, and I would probably flee to Florida or somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> No, thank you. Eric rightfully doesn't want to get involved in the case. He's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> but then he realizes that the death mask had, was made at a place called Wilson Steel. So he gets everyone together. Uh, he gets Detective Carey. He gets a SWAT team together led by uh rig, Officer Rig. And they launch a raid on this, this abandoned steel factory. For all these cops, rule number one, if you're raiding the lair of a potential psycho killer... Yeah, you're in a horror movie. Yeah. We have Rig and three officers going in, and they find a locked metal gate, and they go in after cutting it, which is fine. I guess this is standard procedure stuff. The lights turn on as they enter, which is kind of scary, and Billy the Puppet shows up as they're starting to walk up the staircase, and it just starts laughing at them. This tells me this is a trap, and I stop moving forward at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, I rule number 11, get out. (laughs) I, I think this is time to get the hell out of here. Yeah, no, no kidding. I mean, the, light, flickering's, the fl-
1: light flickers on, I mean, that's already somewhat cause for concern, especially since, for all you know, this person could still be in the building. And you don't know what kind of booby traps lies around, especially with someone like Jigsaw. Yeah, but as soon as the doll rolls upwards and, you know, a bright spotlight shines on him, yeah, no, definitely that's when you kind of back it up and reassess your plan. Maybe... Maybe the first way forward isn't the best.
0: Yeah, exactly. And in the first movie, uh, we lost a police officer in that movie to a booby trap, the shotgun trap, you know, that they needed to learn from past events. That's rule number 21 that we're in a sequel here. And there is there is evidence of the first movie that these people should know that these people do know about the previous events and they should have learned. Yeah, maybe this is a bad call. So, yeah, I really don't like this. It's dumb on their part. They needed to back up and maybe get one of those uh, police robots they send in.
1: Yeah, there we go.
0: Why risk your life? It
1: seems very foolhardy for a SWAT team to enter into a psychopathic killer's uh, murder lair where he's known for making twisted devices to basically kill people.
0: And if you're going to do this... Once you get into the situation where it's like, oh, this is obviously a trap and you think you still have time to get out, just do that first and then send the robot. I get wanting to try and get the jump on this guy, but clearly you don't. They keep moving forward. The gate slams shut and the staircase trap breaks the first SWAT officer's legs and he falls down and knocks the other two into the gate, which electrocutes and kills both of them. So for these two, obviously, you know, they had, they needed to get out learn from past events and I think that's their big Flaw with this movie is these two SWAT officers needed to just get the hell out of here. Yeah, I'm
1: not saying it's it's their fault, but they should have been much more aware of their
0: surroundings, had a little more foresight to think ahead. For sure, Rig and the first officer survive, but the first officer's legs are broken. Now Rig does the right move here, and he's like, "Everybody get in here. We need as much backup as possible." Rule number twelve: get some backup. Rig does not move any more until backup comes in. So good on Rig.
1: Yeah, Rig Rig knows what's up in this movie.
0: Yeah, I like Rig. He's pretty good in this. But they keep moving forward up the staircase. They get those officers out of there and then they keep going. Find a new route. It's stupid. But they get up there and they find Jigsaw. John Kramer. And he's he's really sick. He's dying of cancer. He's got an IV in him. He's got an oxygen tank. Physically the least threatening person ever. Mentally about as threatening as you can get. Can we just
1: say his performance in this movie? I loved how they had him be an integral part in like a bunch of these scenes because I just feel like the actor, I feel like he just does such a good job in this movie where, you know, he's maniacal, but he's, he's sinister and so soft spoken. Yeah, just scheming and everything's just below the surface and everything has multiple layers. I, I think that adding him in this movie and having him have much more of a vocal presence really kind of added a new dynamic
0: yeah tobin bell is the actor and he's just great and he he's pretty much sitting in every scene of the movie except maybe one or two and he does so well with barely moving it's really fantastic so they the cops put him in cuffs but jigsaw's like hey maybe you should check the back of the room before you take me into custody and they go back there and you know rig has learned from past events he he like prods the gate with his gun to make sure it's not electrified
1: yeah that was smart of him i i did jot that down in my notes i did really i liked that he was like okay he electrocutes gates let's try this one out
0: but they find a bunch of computer monitors in there showing various rooms and with people on them and eric recognizes his son daniel is one of the people on screen yep that's not great daniel's in a horror movie that that that's horrifying that's absolutely horrifying yeah so jigsaw explains he's got about two hours before he is uh, daniel is killed by gas a nerve gas but he's currently in a safe place (laughs) safe and secure place yes and this is kind of cool eric tries calling daniel's phone just to call jigsaw's bluff and jigsaw has changed his voice message to his own voice this is i thought that
1: i thought that was genius i thought that was so good I actually forgot about that part from the last few times i watched it since it's been so long. So I was
0: like, I was like, ooh, sinister, sinister. Yeah. And, it, and it doesn't matter, but it's just like a cool moment. But we have an hour 47 left on the clock and Rig calls in a bomb squad, which is probably a smart move. So we cut into the house for the first time and Daniel and seven other people are in this house and we're introduced to them. And by the way, rule number one for all of them, you guys are in a horror movie. Yep. Yeah, they, they know it by now because they just woke up in this room. And they're being watched by cameras. If they didn't
1: know that then, if they were that stupid, they will know it about 10 minutes later when they interact with a different character. It, within the next 10 minutes of meeting these characters, they know that they're in a horror
0: movie. Yes. Uh, and so we have Jonas. Basically, all the all these people besides Daniel, what they have in problem is, what they have in common is they've all been to prison. So they're all kind of hardened people for the most part. We have Jonas, who is kind of the level-headed guy. We have Addison, who's kind of this tough woman. We have Laura, who seems kind of sickly. Uh, don't really know what she's doing here. I would have been curious to know what she did to end up in prison.
1: Yeah, she seems like the least likely person out of this bunch to have been committing hard time.
0: Yeah. Uh, we have Gus, who's like a businessman. Xavier, who is a drug dealer and just a tough motherfucker. And then we have Obby, who's just a weirdo. And turns out he's a con man, too, but he's just a psychotic weirdo. And then there's an unconscious woman who hasn't woken up yet. So they're locked in this room. The door is locked. There's a giant safe inside. And the door, they hear a ticking noise in the door. And that's what we know so far. So the eighth person wakes up, and it's actually Amanda from the first movie, who is the winner of the Randy Meeks merit badge from the first movie. Let's see if she can uh, win it again. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for her. Yeah, um, it's fun to have her back. She's really good in this. Yeah, she has a fantastic
1: performance. I feel like the, t- the casting and just the performance from almost every actor and actress, I feel like, is just pretty much on point.
0: Yeah. They really, they
1: really nailed just the gritty atmosphere of just there was a weight in the in each scene that really sold it.
0: Yeah, they're, they're really good. This is a good cast. So she kind of freaks out and she finds a fake brick in the wall with a tape recorder inside and she plays it. And we're playing a game. Basically, they, in three hours, the doors to this house will open. But they will all be dead in two hours because of the gas. To survive, they need to find an antidote. And there's plenty hidden around the house. There is one inside the safe. They all have the combination. The numbers are at the back of their minds. And the, uh, the order is over the rainbow. And then they also all have something in common. And X marks the spot for that clue. That's what the tape says. Um, there's also a note and a key that says, do not use this key on the door to this room. So Xavier decides to use this key on the door to this room, and uh, Gus is on board with him. The two of them decide to do it. Now, it's established that Addison has heard of Jigsaw at the very least. I don't know if any of the others have, but, but Addison has heard of Jigsaw. So she, at the very least, knows or at least has some base knowledge of what this guy's doing, that he kills people, or, you know, you know, there's rules and crazy traps and stuff like that. So good for her. Rule number 21, learning from past events. So she, she's at least has some knowledge of this. So, so question for you, Jake, if you wake up in this room and all this stuff's happening and you find this note and a key that says, don't use this on the door, sh- do you use it on the door? No, I do not. Interesting. Because I'm, I'm conflicted because if you don't know anything about Jigsaw, if, if this is all brand new knowledge to you, well, I suppose, yeah, I got—I have to shift my lens a little bit. I don't think I would have been
1: as brash as Xavier. Sure, I know that much. I also don't feel like if I was Gus, I wouldn't—I I wouldn't have been standing in front of the door when someone attempted to use said key. Yeah. I feel like that. I feel like I would have had—I don't know—but then I've never been in this situation. But you know, I would just feel like I would have a little more caution. level-headedness. Yeah, a little more caution, a little more weariness. Uh, as to you know what this place is, what's behind these doors. you know.
0: Yeah, I just don't want to fault Xavier too much for this, because if you don't know anything about this guy, I don't necessarily want to listen to a psycho who kidnapped me either. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to fault Xavier too much for trying this. If I'm everybody else, i probably back away from this door just to be safe. Uh, Gus,
1: uh, Gus was not so fortunate.
0: Yeah, because Gus goes up and looks through the peephole on the door. And when Xavier tries the key... It activates a trap that fires a gun through the door and kills Gus. And so ultimately for Gus, I think it was just a little bit of rule number 33, which is never assume you're safe. Especially after you've been kidnapped and wake up in this weird old room, weird old room. This is a bad place to assume you're safe. You know, I would have like hidden behind the safe or something, the, the vault that they have. It, well, Xavier opens this door. I don't know why Gus went up right there. Yeah, no,
1: it, it's really not clear. You know, I don't really understand why Gus would go and look through the peephole while Xavier was trying to open the door. I just have a feeling that, you know, you shouldn't be looking through a, a peephole when someone's trying to open a door with a key that says, do not use.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I just think that was a bad call. So at this point, Amanda tells them all a little bit more. She reveals she's played before. Uh, they have to follow the rules. So at this point, everybody should know we have to follow the rules. If we don't, we'll we'll die. So we have to play by the rules here. So. I gave a little bit of leeway to Xavier and a little bit to Gus, but now no more. Yeah. Now
1: everybody's kind of clear on the rules. I do think that Amanda could have done a little bit better job uh, explaining her position Sure. because she never goes like in full detail about what, who Jigsaw is. She just kind of says he's, he just plays games. He plays games. You have to follow the rules, but it's like, she's not really, she's freaking out and she's expressing terror, but it's not useful Knowledge knowledge of terror. It's uh, more like, a, oh, yeah, he's he's playing a game. You have to follow the rules. And that's basically what she says. But so it's kind of, I feel like she could have done a better job saying, this guy kidnaps people, places them in death traps, and then they try to escape.
0: But I'm not sure how much information she wanted to give them because it turns out at the end of the movie, we found out she's been working with Jigsaw this entire time. She was in here on purpose. And I think the only reason she was here was to protect Daniel a little bit because... I, I think that was the only reason she was in this house because Jigsaw never really wanted to kill Daniel. This wasn't about Daniel. This is about Eric. I, I don't know how much information she wanted to give him. I think she wanted to give him just enough to know like you have to follow the rules. But you know, from here on out, this is on you. Yeah. Everybody else should have asked her more questions. So back in the factory, Ray orders a tech team to try and find out where this feed is coming from. Which good plan. I like that. Jigsaw basically asked eric he's like here's what's the deal i I want some of your time if you sit here and talk to me you will see your son again that's the game
1: sit and talk to him for long enough and he will find his son in a safe and secure location
0: yes and again i I don't really blame eric too much because he's in a very emotionally unstable position but had he just played the game he just like the others he needs to follow the rules too and he needed to learn from past events he's a Somewhat familiar with this case. He has the expert there with him in Detective Carey. All of these cops need to know this is the rules we have to play by. Otherwise, who knows what will happen. So, bad on them for not understanding the impact of the first movie.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that.
0: Carey eventually convinces Eric to sit down and talk to him. Well, Rig is like, why don't you just beat it out of him? Which, I mean, I also understand. (laughs) Yeah,
1: seriously. Especially... Once we figure out a little more about Eric Matthews, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, it seems more fitting.
0: I mean, I, I, can't, I can't hold it against him too much.
1: I can't either. I mean, my gosh, if that, was, if that were my son and I were in the same similar position, I would, uh, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be so talkative.
0: And I think that's what works so well about this movie is, you know, you want Eric to follow the rules, but you completely understand why he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So back in the, the nerve, the, the, the trap house, the door opens on its own and Xavier very cautiously opens the door with a stick. So I like this. He's he's being extremely careful now.
1: Yeah, no, that was uh yeah, that was a smart play on his call.
0: Yeah, I like a lot of what Xavier does because he takes the key with him. He spots a baseball bat with uh nails out of it and he takes that. Rule number 5 is lock and load. So if you have the opportunity to grab a weapon, take it. Yep. But I will I will dock
1: him a few points because when he tries the same key on the very uh, on the exit sign door yep. and it doesn't work, he throws said key on the ground. So I'll dock him a few points yep. for for throwing the key away that he originally wanted to keep.
0: Yeah, he, he's got a bit of a temper. So he does toss the key away when it doesn't work on the front door. But he, he's basically he's keeping moving. He realizes they're on a clock. They got to keep moving. Jonas, on the other hand, wants to come up with a plan. Like, hey, let's let's talk this out and figure it out. You know, if you don't have a time limit, I get that, but you don't have much time. Walk and talk. Walk and talk. This will be, for a lot of these characters in general, the big rule violation of this movie is rule number 28. Run, bitch, run! Run, bitch, run! They are so goddamn slow in this movie. They are so slow walking, so slow talking. And Xavier's right most of the time. You need to move your ass. Get the antidote. As much
1: as he is a absolute asshole in this movie to every single person, I feel like, yeah, he has a lot of good instincts when it comes to, you know, hey, we have to keep moving. You know, why are you stopping? Like, who cares if you're, you know, injured a little bit? We got to keep moving. We're going to die.
0: Not counting Amanda. Xavier's the most competent person in this house. Oh, by far. And that's crazy. Most competent and most
1: unstable, which is a deadly combination to have. Yeah.
0: And Xavier, Xavier's a great character in this. He's, he's an awesome casting. Uh, well done. I like, I mean, I don't like Xavier, but I like the character in the movie. I think he was a great addition. He adds a lot to the movie. Addison finds a flashlight. So that's great. And they all go out to the lobby. She's coughing up blood. So we know like, oh shit, this is real. Yeah. And so Xavier tries that key. doesn't work. Jonas picks it up. So Jonas has the key now. Eric decides to go talk to Jigsaw and they have a long talk, but he's got a radio on so Carrie and Rig can both listen in. Jigsaw explains the rules again. If he stays and talks, he will find Daniel in a safe and secure place. And this is where we first learned that Eric used to beat his suspects. So not great, Eric. Cops shouldn't be doing that. Rule number three, do your damn job. Rule number four, don't be a menace. If you weren't beating cop or beating suspects and being kind of a terrible police officer, you wouldn't be here. So don't be a menace and do your damn job, Eric.
1: Yep, I would agree. And we also learn that he also does plant some evidence um, yep. in his path that Jigsaw mentions while he's talking with Eric.
0: And he shot unarmed suspects.
1: Yep. So yeah, he's so kind of ahead much, of its time. He's a really dirty cop, but apparently no one knew or no one cared to know. And, and he won medals for uh, He was regarded as a very profound police officer.
0: Yeah. Some biting criticism of the police in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. A little ahead of its time here. Jigsaw ends up asking Eric for a glass of water, and Eric gets in the glass of water, but I can tell he doesn't want to.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like when I when I was watching that scene, I was sitting in my chair and I was I was just saying, Eric, take the glass. Just take the glass. Go get the water. Just do it. Just do it, man. Just do it. That's you. You think you can't? You got to
0: swallow that pride. You got to see. Yep, it. yep uh, and that's actually a good point. That's, that's, a, that's a rule. Rule 31 is put your ego aside. Put everything aside and just do it. I know it sucks and you don't want to do it, but you got to do it. So Xavier breaks the front door down to the house, but it turns out there's like a metal door behind it. So that did no good. And Xavier and Addison get into an argument. Jonas breaks it up. And Laura ends up finding a hidden door to a basement. And Xavier takes the flashlight and they all go. He goes first and they all go down there. So they get down to the basement. It's real creepy. Xavier finds a knife. And so he takes that. And there's also a letter with Abby's name written on it. And Abby hasn't said a word to this point. He's just being a creepy. But there's a tape inside and it reveals he's a con man and he actually helped kidnap everybody else. Rule number four, Abby: don't be a menace. Don't kidnap people.
1: Yeah. No, that's uh, that that's like the classic, uh, the classic tale of somebody doing all the dirty work and then the higher up just saying, All right, now I can get rid of you. Yep. Loose ends. I well, mean it makes sense. I mean you should have maybe seen it coming. I would be intrigued to know how, who was he talking to? Was he talking to Jigsaw himself? Was he talking to a third party?
0: Yeah. Who got a hobby involved? I think that'd be interesting. Yeah. So his game is, there's a a giant furnace contraption in the room. There's two antidotes inside and he has, he can go in and get them one for himself, one for somebody else. And there's one clue. Once you are in hell, only the devil can help you out. Yeah. So uh, Xavier and Laura, they both threaten him with weapons to Get him to go in there and Abby just like takes Xavier's knife and cuts himself with it. And it's like, if you're gonna threaten with me with a knife, you might as well cut me a little. It's like, oh my god, this guy's insane. That was a that was a really cool character, character moment for for Abby. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I kinda wish we got a little bit more of him. Abby goes inside, he climbs inside easily enough, he gets the first antidote, no problem. But when he pulls the chain that holds the second one, it locks the door and, and shuts him inside and starts the fires inside out. So obviously I'll be backs away, but as the fires get bigger, he sees a message on the other side of the furnace. It's a, it's, it's a picture of the devil pointing at a little knob and it tells him to twist. And that's how he beats the game. He's got to get across the fire to turn this thing off. Now rule number two, constant vigilance. He should have noticed this as he was climbing in, you know, he should have been much more cautious climbing into this thing. I would have been doing this so slowly and been like, okay, where, what's the trick here? Yeah, well, he well, he all, obviously
1: he also should have been uh, very cautious when he was pulling on the antidote vials because, yep. I mean, you don't know what is. Yeah, like you said, you don't know what that's triggering. You don't know what that could do in this contraption that you've never seen before. So, yeah, just yeah, he had no caution when going in there.
0: He should have been like, hey, somebody hold that door open. Make sure it doesn't shut on me or something crazy so we can get these antidotes. Not very smart. And then once the fire turns on, he panics. Rule number 10, don't panic. And he needed to just go for it and, you know, he's going to get burned, but, you know, better get burned a bit than die.
1: Yeah. So that that's my biggest gripe with with Obi is that he he literally just slit a knife across his neck. He literally just did that, but he's not willing to just leap across this furnace and turn on the sprinklers. Like I it, that, that character imbalance doesn't make any sense to me. Like, at one moment, he's a super badass, not willing to take any shit from anybody. And the second, it's like, oh, there's fire. Nah, no, I'm good.
0: Yep. It's a shame. And he ends up burning to death. The others try and get him out, but they can't in time. And the antidotes burn up with him. So, rip. Obby, you should have been paying more attention. And you needed to be a little smarter and not panic.
1: Um, Clearly, Abhi was just all talk.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: I remember, he did back up that talk with action only to... Back that up with non action
0: Yep. A little inconsistent there, man. (laughs) So Eric gets frustrated. Jigsaw reminds him, hey, you got to remember the rules. Jigsaw claims he's not a murderer, and that is some BS. And Jigsaw kind of, we give it a little bit of backstory. It turns out after he found out he was going to die of cancer, he tried to kill himself by driving off a cliff, and he ended up living, and that gave him a new appreciation for life. And his thing is, those who don't appreciate life do not deserve life. And this just pisses Eric off, which is fair.
1: It's a very... It's a very controversial idea, but he's not I'm not saying he's right, but I'm saying he's not exactly wrong. Like they right. don't deserve not to like live, obviously, but, you know, like those who deserve life, should, you know, should appreciate it.
0: Yeah. It basically, you know, it's right. just like appreciate your life.
1: Yeah. It's a good message, but it's just just shrouded in such, you know, like, yo, well, if you don't appreciate your life, then I'm going to kill you. Like, that's yeah. where it gets—it goes a little too far.
0: How about this, Jigsaw? How about you just go appreciate whatever time you have left and enjoy your life and not bother anybody else? How about that? Yeah. Don't be a menace. Rule number four, Jigsaw, don't be a menace. Don't be a menace. So the gang back in the house, they go back upstairs. Laura collapses, and Daniel kind of helps her up and, and takes care of her a little bit. Sorry, if I'm Daniel, I'm I'm not helping Laura here. I'm going to go find an antidote. Yeah. I mean, at this point,
1: when you have no idea who these people are, and also the fact that they're all way older than him.
0: Yeah, he's like 15. But honestly, rule number 35, no one to cut ties. It's like, OK, I'm going to go find an antidote for myself. See you later, losers. Yeah, that's one thing that I, I hated about Xavier, but I respected because, yeah.
1: you know, like my my personality trait is, you know, like, oh, you know, help everybody, you know, do do helpful things. But, you know, when you're in this type of situation, I, you know, you have to switch the mindset to, you know, it's got to be cutthroat. You know, yeah. be nice
0: don't be a dick yeah it's i don't know it, it's it's kind of annoying that's the one thing i don't really like about this movie it's like man move with just go run bitch run yeah like they like they're walking it's like they're just taking a walk in central park it just <laughs> everybody kind of starts to realize they all the the connection of being in jail um and daniel's like doesn't daniel does not tell anybody his dad is a cop smart move yeah he he caught himself too yep Rule number nine is be careful what you say. Daniel
1: follows that rule here. He does a really good job there, yeah, because he almost slips up, and he goes, my dad's up. He's a real hard ass. Yeah, nice save. Yeah, it was a really good
0: save, and it didn't seem like too much of a slip up. So they end up finding a door without a lock, but it's stuck, and Xavier manages to burst it down, which sets off a three-minute timer on this giant locked door. And there's a note and a tape for Xavier, which tells us he's a drug dealer, and there is a pit of needles Uh, syringes in the room and the key to the door is inside and so he's supposed to crawl in there and get the key out xavier doesn't want to though (laughs) so he picks up amanda and throws her in oh god that that scene is just it's one
1: of the worst scenes in the movie and i mean worst as in best it's it's so cringy it's so nasty like i have no fear of needles Yeah, I don't either. But my gosh, I I don't think I would. I I don't think I would throw someone in, but I 100% would not jump in. I know that for a fact. Just Uh, like how you
0: wouldn't cut your eye up. I would not jump in that pit because, oh, it's just no, no way. I feel like I could do this one. I I think I could do this one. And I hear from a lot of people who've seen these movies that this is one of the, the traps that bothers them the most, just in terms of like, nope, hell no, there's no way. And I, you know, obviously it would be terrible, but I, I, you know, as long as I didn't get thrown in, if I crawled in myself, I think I could do this one. This is one of the very few I think I could do.
1: I would just be too worried about what was in those needles. Yep.
0: Those are not, those are not clean needles. But that's a problem for future Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that damn future Ryan. Always getting in trouble. <laughs> so he just straight up yeets Amanda into this pit and it's, it's pretty awful. You feel so bad for her. Like, oh, I know, yeah. Even when you find out she is one of the bad guys, you still feel bad for her.
1: Yeah, because I don't oh. think she was anticipating that either.
0: No, and honestly, Amanda hasn't really been in a horror movie this whole time because she she's not in danger from the gas. She's just kind of there to protect Daniel a little bit, but at this point, Xavier's, like, becoming the horror movie villain for her. So she's in a horror movie now, I think.
1: Yeah, seriously. He used her like a weapon. Yeah. He just picked her up. Brute force used her. It was, uh, you know, brutal, but...
0: Yeah, it was effective. Definitely followed one of the rules. She Amanda ends up getting the key with 10 seconds to go. There's 10 seconds left. Amanda finds the key, and she tosses it up to Xavier, who drops it. Yep. Now, rule number seven is don't leave your weapon behind. Well, don't leave your key behind either, Butterfingers. Don't be dropping this stuff. Firmly grasp it. Firmly
1: grasp it. Exactly. He clearly didn't watch SpongeBob.
0: Clearly, and he picks it up, but doesn't get it locked in time. So this is all just a waste of time.
1: Yeah, and that makes that makes Amanda's quote unquote sacrifice even more gut wrenching. Yeah, because it was all for nothing. Yep. All because Xavier couldn't hold on to the damn key. Number ten, don't panic. Yeah, I mean Xavier panics, he drops the key, and ultimately ends up wasting a chance to get some medicine.
0: At this point, they all realize they've been in jail, except Daniel. He's the only one who hasn't been in jail. Not even juvie. Now, Jonas, at this point, wants everybody to talk and just like hash things out and figure out what their connection is. And Xavier's like, nah, I'm out of here. I'm going to go find an antidote. Fair. (laughs) I'm on Team Xavier here. It's time to go and just do this thing.
1: Once again, I'm on the uh, I'm on the anti-hero side of this coin. I think Xavier does the right thing. I think, you know, it's like, hey, we can talk once we get out. Let's
0: get out. Exactly. And what the thing that bothers me the most is is what they the connection between all of them is Daniel's dad Eric is the one who arrested all of these other people and he framed all of them they were innocent of the crime he arrested for that's what they have in common if they had all like stayed and talked and figured that out that helps them exactly none no it doesn't
1: it's a, it's a red herring
0: yeah. It's just to give some more stakes for Eric and Daniel. Jonas is so wrong. He needs to focus and move his ass and run, bitch, run, and get himself an antidote. It's unbelievable. I mean, I can understand where he's
1: coming from because I'm uh, I'm the type of person who, you know, wants to, you know, sit down, process things, you know, think things out, talk things through. But, yeah, you just don't have the time.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You just don't
1: have the time. They got
0: like a half an hour left
1: or whatever. It's like, nope. Yeah, it is baffling. We, we, we keep going back to them moving so slowly. They're still exploring rooms with yeah. a half an hour left. How, are, how have you not tried every door at this point? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me how, they haven't, how they're still discovering rooms and saying, oh, hey, what's this room? With, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour to go. It's like, you're, you're not setting yourself up for success.
0: They only end up discovering like three traps in this movie and that is unacceptable. They should have discovered all of them.
1: I think I'd be more pissed if I was Jigsaw.
0: Yeah, I'd be like, seriously? Yeah, I, I, I put all this time and effort. I made all these things,
1: and you only wasted, you only used three of them.
0: How dare yeah. you? Unbelievable. So Carrie tries to get Eric to go back and talk to Jigsaw, and tries to get under his skin by destroying his work. Which you know, I think that's fair enough.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, it's common. You know, that's a common you know serial killer thing. Is you know they love they love their work. They want to show off and stuff. So what she's saying is true, and you know it's
0: not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea at all. It has absolutely no effect. (laughs) Nope. And Jigsaw just continues to antagonize him. But the tech team arrives and they start trying to figure out where the feed is. And at this point, Jigsaw tells them all to look in a very specific desk drawer. And what they find is police files of the seven other people in the house besides Daniel. And we get the reveal that Eric planted evidence on all seven of them and sent them to jail for crimes they didn't commit. So Xavier goes back to the room they started in with the giant safe. And he notices a number on the back of Gus's neck. He kind of figures out that each of them has a number on the back of their neck in a certain color order. And that's the combination for the safe with the antidote inside. So rule number two, constant vigilance. Good on Xavier for noticing that. I give him another plus. And on the minus side, here comes Jonas, who continues (laughs) to be awful. And Jonas is trying to get him back on board to work together. And he goes into like this big monologue about how he's worried about his family and stuff like that. It's like, dude run bitch run rule number 28 he 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 killed he kills that scene
1: it's a gripping scene and you feel for him but i mean not the time or the place
0: man yeah you need to go get an antidote also rule number 35 no one to cut ties let this guy go and go find your own antidote at this point i mean he even he even
1: stated himself you know said you and me we can we can keep spinning our wheels grinding our gears back and forth but that's not going to solve anything it's like well Maybe the best way to solve it is just to go on your own. Yeah. There's multiple antidotes.
0: You know, potentially, I, I would assume all of them could have survived this.
1: I would, I would agree. I think, this is, I think this is one of the best saws where everyone has a chance of surviving. Yeah. The best odds, I would say, overall.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. These, these, all of these seem doable. Yeah, if, if I had to get dropped into a Saw movie, I would pick Saw 2. Because besides the eyeball trap at the beginning, all the rest of these are survivable unpleasant but survivable but then xavier kind of screws up because he's not interested in what jonas has to say and he tells jonas to turn around and draws a knife on him this is not how you do this because i think xavier if he had pointed out hey the numbers on the back of the neck this is the code can i see your number and ask nicely i think he could have gotten this and i think he could have lived yep i would
1: agree yeah i think xavier you know i mean he is starting to lose it they're all starting to get a little a little woozy you know there's Yep. very little time left and so you know you chalk that up for disorientation maybe
0: yeah here's how you do it okay I- i'm xavier you're jonas okay like hey jonas look at this number here i think we all have numbers in the back of my neck here will you tell me mine turn around okay great can i see yours boom done rule number nine be careful what you say and xavier breaks this rule into a million pieces
1: yep but then again i mean
0: he he's a brute force guy so i mean he's been True to
1: his character traits this entire movie. So, I mean, absolutely, I don't don't anticipate him stopping now. Yeah, so I don't I don't blame him, but he could have had a much better resolution
0: than what transpired. Got to communicate. So they end up fighting and Jonas kicks Xavier's ass. It's not even close. Jonas just wrecks him. Unfortunately, he starts coughing up blood and turns his back on Xavier. Rule number two, constant vigilance. Rule number six, double tap. He needed to finish Xavier off here. If this is where we're going, you just need to kill this guy.
1: Yeah. At this point, when the fists collide, you know, it, yeah, it's time to, it's time to kill the dude.
0: Yeah. You, you just got to take this guy out now.
1: But because he's, yeah, survival of the fittest. And while Xavier clearly looks like the fittest, Jonas puts up a hell of a fight and, yeah, yeah. ends up overtaking Xavier. Yeah. He should have, he could have survived it and left Xavier in the dust.
0: Yeah. If he had double tapped on Xavier, he, he would have lived. But he ends up copping up blood, turns around, turns his back on Xavier, who picks up the, the bat with the nails in it and kills Jonas. Constant vigilance, double tap, no one to cut ties. It's all bad. Uh, you know, run, bitch, run. A lot of, lot of rule violations for Jonas. He, he's definitely in the running for Night of the Living Club Award. Oh, 100%. So Laura collapses again. And Amanda and Daniel continue to help her. And Addison's like, let's just leave her. <laughs> yeah, at this point, you were like out of time. Yep, that's what I would say. There's like 15 minutes left or something like that. You were out of time, basically. Yeah, it's time to keep going. Uh, Laura, constant vigilance, good for her. She notices an X on a a picture frame. X marks the spot. And on the back of the picture frame, they find a photo of Eric and Daniel. It says father and son on it. Now they know. And then Laura has a seizure and dies. Yep. I would just like to say this whole whole
1: time, Laura has been completely useless. She's basically just been put there. She's done nothing. But you're telling me that this sickly lady, who's just uh, minutes from dying, is gonna look on the wall and be like, "Oh, there's an X there," and wouldn't just think of that's cracked picture frame? Well, good for her. I know. I just feel like it's a little like you know, it advances the plot for the for you know, advance yeah. the plot sake. But yeah. I feel like from a practicality standpoint, it would it should have been like you know, Daniel or Addison who would have discovered that.
0: Sure. But for Laura, I think just her biggest thing was Rule Twenty Eight is run, bitch, run. She was so slow that you know if she'd moved a little bit faster at all, maybe she could have lived.
1: Yeah, she was in a state of like just panicked, panic state for like the, the entire movie. She let her fear overcome her, and
0: so at this point, Addison just goes off on her own, and Xavier starts calling out for everybody else, and Amanda also leaves Daniel behind at this point. So everybody's off on their own. Uh, you know, normally I would say Rule Number. Nineteen is don't split up, gang. Let's split up and look for clues. I don't think it matters too much in this movie.
1: No, this one's more of, uh, you know, well, because it's it's it seems that everybody has a card with their name on it somewhere in this in this house. Yeah. And the fact that we'd only get to see, you know, three in this house, it it shows that, you know, they could have split up and just searched for their own clue. They could have or searched for someone else's clue.
0: And actually, I think splitting up in their case probably would have been more effective for them to all survive. Yeah,
1: because mm-hmm. uh, think... it would have given them the greatest possible spread of the house in the yeah. shortest time. Of time.
0: So, uh, no, no rule of violation on of that. You know, normally that's a rule, but I, I, I think it, it's actually beneficial to split up here, which is rare. It's it's a very rare exception to the rule. Yep. So Amanda finds Jonas's body. So she knows, like, oh shit, I'm actually in danger.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she now she now knows that Xavier has officially flipped the script. Yep, and is just going ape shit on everybody.
0: Xavier gets Obby's number, so Amanda teams back up with Daniel, and the two of them take off running as Xavier's calling out for him. Xavier finds Laura's body and her number, and then also finds the photo of Eric and Daniel, which doesn't end up mattering at all. But whatever, we get to chase the house, which is pretty pretty fun. Eric's watching this from the, the, the factory, just terrified. So at this point, Rig and the other officers stop Carrie from interviewing as Eric goes and beats the shit out of Jigsaw. Yeah, seriously. And again, you know, he needed to follow the rules, learn from past events, but I don't blame Eric for this. I get it.
1: Yeah, emotionally charged. Li- as Jigsaw has even said it, you know, lives are on the line.
0: Yep, his son's is on the line.
1: That changes the game. It yep. changes the state of things. So yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, you know, you always you always say that in horror movies. You always watch people and think, oh, just just beat the crap out of them. Just beat him up. Beat him up and get the information from him And in this movie, he actually does it, but it's... It's a trap. It's, yeah, it's a trap, yeah. It's um, a long con.
0: But it is very satisfying to watch. Yeah, <laughs> Yes, it is. So Addison finds this glass box trap. There's a, a glass box dangling from chains in the middle of the room, and inside is an antidote, and there's two hand openings in the bottom for her to reach in and get it and there's a tape we don't know who this trap is for because she just like opens it and then tosses it aside yo you need to listen to that there might be a clue on there yeah seriously rule number 32 is play stupid games win stupid prizes if you're going to play a game without following the rules well you can't be surprised when it goes poorly for you
1: yeah and rule number two always stay vigilant once she put yeah. her first hand through the hole And realized that her hand was stuck. Why on earth would you put your second hand through? It's like the Chinese finger trap. Why would you do that? That does not make any sense to me.
0: Yep. Uh, Rule number two, constant vigilance. She needed to pay a little bit more attention because the way to beat this trap is you had to pay a little bit of attention. But there is an opening in the top of the box. It was just hard to see especially the way it was filmed. I, I actually watched a behind-the-scenes feature on the DVD because I was a little confused on it, but they explained how she was supposed to beat it. And had she looked at the box from a different angle and been uh, a little bit more careful and hadn't rushed into this, she could have seen the opening on top. Now, she would have had to find a way to get up there and get it, but she could have done this with zero pain whatsoever. This is probably, like, the easiest trap to beat in the entire series.
1: Oh, 100%. And the fact that she didn't even read the note makes it even, like, an easier trap i mean my gosh i mean there should have been a clue i mean if you follow the mo of jigsaw he always has a clue
0: and she Uh, was especially aware because she had heard of jigsaw before so that makes it especially frustrating yeah Um, exactly so i mean nothing
1: is at face value in this house as we've seen all these events that have transpired so the fact that she haphazardly throws the note away doesn't take precautions
0: yeah this was entirely avoidable she both of her hands are stuck in the box they slice her wrists open she's bleeding out xavier comes in and finds her gets her number and then leaves and she she dies yeah what
1: a what a savage move by xavier (laughs) yeah he's just like ah just give me your number and i'll just walk away
0: (laughs) really really it's really good can i get your number Yeah, can I get your number? So Amanda and Daniel they head back in the safe room as Xavier tries to beat down the door. Eric turns off the radio, puts his gun in Jigsaw's mouth, and he's like, get, "Tell me, tell me where he is." And Jigsaw says, "Game over. I'll take you to the house." And Eric thinks that means he's won, but oh no, oh no, no, no. He he's failed his game. So Eric and uh, Jigsaw escape in an elevator. The officers try and stop them, but they manage to drive off in a van before anybody can stop them from going. But at the same time, the tech team gets the signal for the house and rig and the SWAT team goes to that address while Carrie stays behind. Xavier's breaking down the safe door and he does tell them, he's like, I just want to get the numbers off the back of your neck. But the way he's going about this is terrifying.
1: Being in Amanda and Daniel's shoes, I would not have listened to that man for one iota.
0: Absolutely not. And honestly, I think Xavier is telling the truth. I don't think he wants to kill him, but his presentation is so bad that I do not blame Daniel and Amanda at all. Yeah,
1: Xavier does about three-fourths of this movie spot on, but then he just just can't close it at the end.
0: He doesn't have that social game. (laughs) As as we say in Survivor. Be careful what you say. He's got a, how you say it is important. And he's really bad at that. Amanda uses the bat with nails on it to brace the door, which is clever. Constant vigilance, she notices a trap door under the safe. And I don't know if she knew it was there, maybe maybe not. I don't know. But but they move the safe and they realize it's locked. But the key that they found at the beginning of the movie, Jonas has it. Jonas's body is in the room. So they get the key, they open the door and head down into the, the tunnels beneath the house.
1: Learn from past events. That was a good that was a good yep. rule to follow. They remembered where the key was.
0: Daniel hasn't done a whole lot in this movie, but rule number two, constant vigilance. Good on him. He noticed that key. Eric and Jigsaw arrive at the house. Jigsaw gives him a key to get inside, and so Eric goes into this house, which this is terrible. He needs backup for this.
1: Eric is way off the
0: rails at this point. Yeah, once again, I understand, but it's tough, but you gotta wait for backup, man. So we get a long montage sequence of a bunch of stuff going on. But Xavier chases them down into the tunnels. Rig and the SWAT team also arrive at the house. Carrie cannot see anybody on the cameras. So it's like, wait, what is going on? Why can't we see anybody? We have all these people in the house. What's going on? Amanda and Daniel get to the end of the tunnels and they find themselves in the bathroom from the first movie, which is an awesome, awesome reveal.
1: It's a great throwback. It's a great throwback. Because you're like, you're, then you're like, in your whole worldview is like, oh my God, this is above the first movie. And it's just... It's really, really well done. It's a really good reveal.
0: And it's not the last reveal we're going to get. But we also find out Adam from the first movie has officially died. His corpse is still there.
1: Yeah, Adam Adam bit the big one.
0: We last saw him at the end of the first movie screaming for help, but he did not make it out. He needed to cut his foot off, man. Yeah, and going back to the first movie, I mean, he broke his hacksaw uh, out of anger. Yeah. So. He panicked. He gave up, kind of, it looks like. Yeah, clearly. Rule number uh, 17 is never give up. The next thing you try might work. Eric arrives in the safe room and it's weird because the bodies are more decomposed than they should be. And there's an antidote needle that's been used on the floor. So something's not right, but you know, in Eric's panicking obviously, but stuff, you know, with the antidote, something could have changed in the time he's left that house, but the body's decomposing Jonas's body is real messed up. That's concerning. I suppose you could chalk
1: that up to, you know, maybe the nerve toxin gas, um, sure. that the body in some ways. I mean, Eric doesn't know much about it, I would assume, or knows, you yeah, know, that's really fair. Amount so maybe he's like, Oh, that's weird. Maybe the poison does that to them. So I can kind of give it a pass, but at the sure. same time, more heightened awareness at this point, because you know, that, that's definitely something that not that should not be normal.
0: Absolutely. Xavier enters the bathroom and Daniel has apparently died from the nerve gas. Amanda's sitting next to him. And Xavier's like, it's fine. I just need the numbers off the back of your neck. And Amanda's like, well, how are you going to get the one off your neck if I don't tell you? And Xavier just grabs his knife and cuts his own flesh off the back of his neck. It's insane.
1: That was such a good scene. It was so good because practicality aside, I mean, he could have like slid off like half the number or missed the number for all he knows. Just the balls to do that.
0: It's so good. It's so good. And it fits the character really well. Never grew up. Next thing you try, might work. <laughs> exactly. And then my, my favorite part is he just puts the piece of skin in his pocket. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. He just looks at it and he's like, all right. All right. Cool. So Xavier bends down to get their numbers. And unfortunately, constant vigilance is what's going to do Xavier in here because he did not pay enough attention to see that Daniel's actually still alive and was holding a hacksaw as a weapon. And Daniel kicks him in the knee or the, the ankle and then slits his throat. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's a great, it's a, I mean, it's a really good way for a death. It's a really good way to ha- have a death in the, in the Saw movies.
0: So good on Daniel. He locked and loaded, and he he took the shot, which is rule number 22. He took his shot, and he connected and takes Xavier out of the movie. It's great. Yep. It's really great. So Rig finds a room with a bunch of commuter, computer monitors. It's the same setup as what we saw in the factory. And then we realize it was all recorded. This has all been done for hours or days. They're, and they're they're also in the wrong house. Yeah, it's an awesome I really
1: episode. I love that reveal. I love that reveal because the way that the movie is shot, it it it's cutting back and forth between Eric. It's cutting back and forth between him, the cops that are raiding the house,
0: the bathroom,
1: and Amanda and Daniel. And I like how you know even though they're not in the same house at all, it they they cut it in a way where it really feels like they're in the same place and they're all converging on the same location.
0: It's really well done. Yeah. It's some great editing.
1: You know, like it's a really cliche thing where you know the call's coming from inside the, the house, yeah. or you know the feed's not real, the field's not live. This already happened. Yeah, I, I love it's you know it's really cliche, really old, really used, but they do it in a way where it's it feels refreshing.
0: Yeah, it's it's well done, and it's it's what makes this movie so memorable. Eric enters the bathroom and finds Xavier's corpse in there, but Pighead is in there as well, hiding in the bathtub, and manages to get the drop on Eric and knocks him out. Yeah, not great. Rule number two: constant vigilance.
1: Well, see, at, I think at the beginning, all he saw was like the little the hand coming out of the tub. But he as, as he got days. closer and closer, he should have realized, oh wow, that's not a person's face; that's a mask.
0: Yeah, he he needed a little bit more careful as he approached. Yeah, the yeah, bathtub. bathtub. So back at the factory, the the timer goes off, which opens the safe inside, and Daniel has been locked in the safe the entire time. He's alive. He's fine.
1: Yeah, it's a great reveal as well. There's there's
0: so many good reveals
1: in this movie. Yeah,
0: they just hit you over and over and over with great reveals. It's awesome. And then we have Eric waking up in the bathroom. He's locked up. He's, he's tied up or locked up with a, an ankle cuff just like Dr. Gordon and Adam were in the first movie. And there's a tape. Amanda tells Eric that she is Jigsaw's accomplice. And Eric's going to be left down there to die. His gun is just out of reach. Amanda appears and shuts the door on him. And Eric just we just leaves Eric to scream at her in there. It's great, and then we see finally we see Jigsaw sitting in the van and smiling as Eric screams. Oh, it's so good, chilling.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of the best uh, twists because like you really don't suspect Amanda throughout this entire movie. Absolutely not. She plays an excellent long con. I think she does a fantastic job at pretending that she's not as clueless as she is. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, the, the reveal is just outstandingly well done.
0: As for Eric, we had a bunch of rule violations for him. It ended up being some constant vigilance, being a bad police officer, and just being a menace, which is what got him into all this in the first place. Did he not panicked.
1: follow the rules. I mean, Eric had the easiest jigsaw trap in this game. He had the easiest one, and he, and ba- he failed miserably at it. I mean, understandably, but he still yep. failed miserably.
0: Yep. He panicked. He didn't wait for backup. He didn't learn from past events. Don't let yourself get taken to a secondary location. Yeah, that was a big one. Rule 38, don't let yourself get taken to a secondary location. He got himself to the secondary location. He fell for it hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, he, I mean, he, uh, he did it to himself. Yeah. Shame. But that's Saw uh, 2, so we didn't get any new rules that I could think of. So let's move into the awards then. First, we have the Randy Meeks Merit Badge. Which goes to the character who did the best job at following the rules to survive the movie. They don't necessarily have to survive, but they just need to follow the rules. And this is based off Randy from Scream, who's like my favorite movie character of all time. He created his own list of rules to survive horror movies, and he's kind of the inspiration for this podcast.
1: There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror
0: movie. Jake, who do you think cause I'm I'm kinda struggling with this one, who do you think did the best job at following the rules? Uh, I go back and forth. I feel like
1: Xavier is a real top contender yeah I feel like he has so many positives he does a lot of things just spot on and the intuition is there but in the end I mean he just you know he lets his guard down and in the end you know he he doesn't follow the rules at in the last third of the movie yeah but the first two thirds he is just spot on lights out even if he's a dick about it so I, I want to give it to him but and that's the other thing I don't know if there's anybody else that is more deserving.
0: Yeah. I thought he was pretty good too, but I have two more names. I want to hear what you think. Okay. First here, uh, we have a uh, uh, detective Carrie because she is the expert on jigsaw. She does get a lot to do in the movie, but she kind of avoids getting herself into like any danger situations by not being part of the initial rating team. She was a hundred percent right about how to handle jigsaw. She, he needed Eric needed to stay and talk. And had he done that, he would have survived the movie. Carrie stays there the whole time, tries to give advice, and she survives the movie. It's not a flashy game, but it was effective. It's a very practical game. And then the other one I want to throw out there is Amanda. I know we don't normally give these to villains, but she ended up accidentally getting herself into a horror movie as well because Xavier was there. And Amanda is very good throughout this movie. She is so smart, especially the end game where she spots the safe or um, spots the trap door gets down into the bathroom. She does a lot right here. And I think she was pretty good as well. But the problem is she's a villain and a menace and intentionally put herself in this situation to begin with. So that's that's part of the problem.
1: And correct me if I'm wrong, did did we not also give uh, this award to Amanda in the first movie?
0: We did. We did. I'm thinking from a practicality standpoint, I think Detective Carrie did the best job. It's not a flashy game, but I think Amanda and Xavier both had higher highs but they had both had some severe flaws with what they did so uh i think we should give it to detective carrie what do you think
1: i mean i would say so i would say so even though she no traps were specifically designed for her and that you know but she is the renowned expert on jigsaw she could have done a lot more to make her opinion heard sure uh, i know i know she said a lot of uh you know she foretold a lot of warnings to people but You know, after they clearly weren't going to listen anymore, I feel like she could have done more to, you know.
0: The problem is all the other cops took Eric's side and, and, you know, then she was a little bit screwed. She couldn't do much. Yeah. It's tough. She was in a tough spot, but I think she did pretty well. and, And, you know, in terms of surviving a horror movie, she kept herself pretty much out of it, which was... Which is the ideal way to play. You know, if you're going to be in a horror movie, you want to be in her position. <laughs> exactly. So, okay, let's make uh, Detective Allison Carey the Randy Meeks Merit Badge winner. On the flip side, we have the Night of the Living Pleb Award, which is goes to the character who did the worst job at following the rules. And this is based off Barbara from Night of the Living Dead, just the worst character ever. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. And I think this time it's, it's easy. This has got to be Jonas. Oh yeah. He is oh, so slow. He can't let Xavier go for some reason. Constant vigilance is a problem, even though he does kick Xavier's ass. He, he doesn't double tap him. He, he turns his back on him, gets killed, and he's just aggravatingly slow. It drives me up the wall.
1: Yeah, he by far had the worst performance. I mean, Laura, had a better performance, and she literally did nothing. Yeah. Except, except have a seizure. Yeah, basically. And find the X on the um, find the X that marks the spot. Yep. So it's yeah. Jonas just kind of was from start to finish. I mean, while his rationale is good, he yep. doesn't have the time. He knows he doesn't have the time, and yet he's still beating this dead horse.
0: Yeah. It is bad. Not not a great look for Jonas, and he is the night of the living pleb, but he's not so living anymore. <laughs> good stuff, Jake. Yeah. Um, you as always. Thank you, sir. So is there any social media you want to plug or anything?
1: Uh yeah, I mean, yeah, if you want to check out uh check out Twitter, you know it's uh at Gurky Turkey. Yeah, G-I-R-K-Y and T-U-R-K-E-Y.
0: Yeah, check it out. Go follow Jake on Twitter. You can follow us at how to horror and on, that's on Twitter and then on Instagram, it's how to survive a horror movie. Follow us in there. Uh Jake, you want to come back on the podcast?
1: Would love to. Would Good. love to. i cannot wait
0: for saw three so jake reserves saw three cool he wants to keep doing it that's great jake you're not in the city you're across the country from me correct so you cannot spin the wheel of spooks sadly no
1: i cannot physically
0: i am going to spin the wheel of spooks so let me go ahead and spin the wheel Oh, wow and we have saw three jake you want to come back this weekend oh my gosh i would be honored oh my all gosh right. what are the odds cool uh well it was one in eight uh that was the odds <laughs> all right cool man all right well we'll do a little saw three we'll we'll keep the game going that'll be fun uh i like saw three all right i'm trying to think if there's anything else anything else you want to add jake uh no, just uh
1: make sure you follow the podcast. Make sure you follow uh Ryan Stacey on Twitter. Um, you know he's a great guy, great podcast. Uh, love coming on the show, and thank you very much for having me. Yeah,
0: thank you, Jake. Thanks for doing this. You're always fun. Glad you could do this. So this this worked really well. This has been the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast. Stay safe out there. <laughs> <laughs>